Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Happening, everybody. This is Bob Wackle alongside Anthony Sanfilippo coming into a new episode of Crossed Up, our second of the week. And you know, Anthony, that it's a special occasion. You and I are together for two times in a two-day span on the heels of an interesting trade deadline with the Phillies. Not a lot of action. Uh, things picked up right ahead of it. And now we have a Phillies team that's probably a little bit better defensively, a little bit better in the bullpen, a little bit better in the starting rotation. Not a big splash move. Not one that has you printing the uh, World Series tickets or anything like that, but this is a good team, as we talked about earlier this week. And it's a team that's a lot better now than it, it probably was before we woke up this morning. And so I think we could probably have an optimistic conversation about what the Phillies did at the trade deadline, this first game against the Braves, which they completely punted on, notwithstanding going in with a bullpen game and trying to press three innings out of, of Nick Nelson, but whatever. Different conversation for a different day, maybe. So let's bring you in, Anthony. How are we feeling today after this Phillies trade deadline? Well, you know, Bob, I have a feeling if we did this, we're recording right now, it's, it's 10-15, right? <laughs> and if, if people are watching on YouTube, they could see that the Phillies are on in the background over your shoulder. Yes, they are. Um, it, it, we decided the hell with waiting until after the game is over because they're not coming back in this one, right? Down 10 to 1. Um, but I have a feeling if we started recording this three hours ago, three and a half hours ago, your tone would have been a little bit different than it is right now. <laughs> just, I'm just saying. It really has nothing to do with the, the uh, 10 to 1 <laughs> game. It really doesn't. It just has more to do with time of day. Like, uh, I think when we first actually started doing this show, 10:15 record time was like early for us. It would have been right. Like and, we used to go after, well after midnight. And 32-year-old me without children probably would have had a lot more pep. Uh, but man, I am tired. And this game has been pretty rough to watch, and I have to tell you, lacking energy right now as we record this podcast. But. I held myself accountable. I said, Anthony's going to stay up past his bedtime to record this thing. Just kidding. <laughs> it's actually me that will stay up past his bedtime, and uh, I am a man of my word, so we are doing this. And I do think it was a pretty good day for the Phillies. Um, this game has been a mess. We're <laughs> but I, I will say this. Listen, Spencer Strider, we'll touch on the game very quickly because I think we promised each other we wouldn't spend a lot of time on this. Spencer Strider yeah. is one of the most electrifying young pitchers in the game. Phillies opted to go for a bullpen game in this opener. I, I think even the most optimistic of Phillies fans probably knew coming into this first game here in the two-game set against the Braves that they were up against it tonight. They swept the Pirates. They did well to stabilize after a shaky start to the second half. I, for one... I'm not overly concerned about what we're watching here tonight against them. No, nor, nor, nor am I. And, and the reason is, is, you know, we said it yesterday when we recorded the last episode, if you come out of this with a split, 
you're happy. But if considering they lose tomorrow, all things considered. But if they lose yeah, tomorrow, I might go all Barkan Phillies post game live on you. Uh, <laughs> no. So yeah, I mean, listen. Obviously, the reason we're recording this is to talk about the trade deadline and the Phillies. Uh, they they add. What we talked about in the, the show earlier this week, you know, this has been a good bullpen the last two months, but could they do something to bolster it? And what they did was they went out and they got a really good late-inning option. Um, we talked about the need to add to the starting rotation. That, for both of us, was the top priority. I would have loved to have seen Carlos Rodon. Um, I, th- I think that that would have been the, the optimal outcome here. Uh, but they go out, they get Noah Syndergaard, they take on some salary to do it. They, they part with Mickey Moniak. Uh, and I mean, I just, again, to me, that's that's like a nothing give on that front. So I think that you've, you've upgraded on, we're in the starting rotation without really giving away a whole lot. And they go out and they, they obviously, they get Marsh from Los Angeles, who's a plus defender. Hasn't hit yet, but he's under team control through 2027. Phillies feel like they can unlock a little bit more in the bat to make him, uh, you know, at least a viable platoon option and potentially even a, an everyday player moving forward in center field to offset some of the defensive deficiencies this team has in the corner outfield. So I like what they did. They keep Andrew Painter. They keep Griff McGarry. Uh, they keep Mick Abel. They they trade Logan O'Hoppy on the uh, in, in the in the Marsh deal. JT Romuto wasn't going anywhere. I mean, you may not agree with the deal. You may not love him long-term, but JT Romuto is his team's catcher through 2025. So I I don't – I'm not in an uproar over over parting ways with Logan O'Hoppy. So what's your assessment of this trade, or all three trades, I guess I should say, what the Phillies gave up, what they gained, where they kind of sit now in, in, in the aftermath of it? I, I think that these are savvy – Moves by Dave Dombrowski. So refreshing talking to you this week. I've never heard you this optimistic and positive in my entire life. <laughs> I do. Let me, and I'll explain why I think that each one is really smart. Because because I think each one in and of themselves builds upon the other. Okay. Okay. Uh, let, let's start with the first one that we that we saw, which was the uh, the Brandon Marsh trade. Okay, well, actually, if you, I mean, so this kind of goes back, this kind of builds off of the trade for Edmondo Sosa trade, all right? I mean, because they, they made that deal to bring in a really good defensive player for the bench. I mean, we know he's the 25th player, we talked about that, but adding defense to the team. Brandon Marsh, obviously, that we know, we all see it. Uh, I think, uh, according to, to, um, uh, baseball savant, which is uh, Statcast, uh, number two outfielder in Major League Baseball this year, in outs above average uh, at plus nine. Uh, yes, most of them have occurred in left field this year, um, but he has played a lot of center field since Trout's been out. Uh, he is a nat- more of a natural center fielder, but can play all three. Um, Twenty-four years old, used to be a top one hundred prospect. They feel like that there's something there that they can unlock. Not only is that a move to help now, but it's a move to sit there and say, we believe we can turn this guy around enough that he can be our regular center fielder for the next four years. That's saying something. Because your window is not just August to October of 2022. Right? So that's why I'm okay giving up Ohapi. 
in, yeah, the, in this deal. You, you traded a prospect with upside in a position that you did not need for what amounts to a prospect with upside at a position you desperately need. Correct. Correct. And, you know, and everybody's like, well, they could have gotten Brett Phillips from Tampa off the waiver wire for player to be named later or future considerations or whatever. Sure, they could have. They could have done that. But Brett Phillips has only two years left before he becomes a free agent. Plus, he's a little bit older. You know, you've seen that. You've seen him play a little bit more. He's had a little bit more major league experience. Um, Marsh is intriguing. He's intriguing in a lot of ways. Um, there was a, I mean, you got to remember a lot of people, and there's, I think that there are still scouts out there who think that that the Phillies might be able to unlock his potential. That it's it's there, it just hasn't happened yet. Keep in mind, the guy has only played the equivalent of one major league season. He's played 163 games in his career. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. So I, I I'm cool with it. I'm cool with that, right? Because it helps in the in the short term. As far as you get a much better defensive player, which is what they need, and it could help long term. So let's start with that one. Let me just ask this, before we, we before we even okay. move on from there. But you, so you have Logan Ohapi. He's hitting 275 this year, 15 homers. He's shown some some significant pop, and and I think we all understand. JT Romuto's locked up here. They're paying him a lot of money. He's going to be a central figure on this team moving forward for at least the next couple of years. So we understand that he's blocked. But we heard all this talk about how Logan Ohapi's become the Phillies' best positional player prospect how he is one of the top catching prospects in all of baseball. Is there any part of you? I mean, I understand what Marsh is. I understand how he helps his team immediately. I understand what the Phillies are looking for long-term here. Were you a little bit surprised that he, though, Ohapi, was the player that was attached in this Marsh deal just because all of a sudden he had become this guy? And it's always funny. I know Twitter's not really real life. We talk about this sometimes. But to watch the reaction of some people just astounded that the Phillies parted ways with Logan Ohapi for for a guy that's that's hitting sub 230 and plays center field the, the the stats don't jump off the page how many people really have seen this guy play baseball over like nobody three years no nobody's seen it all they're basing it on is the fact that that people like you and i who who write about the phillies have been talking about oh hey by the way for the last year the Phillies have had this uh, catching prospect kind of kind of come out of nowhere a little bit. I mean, he wasn't really, you know, a, a heralded prospect until with, you know, the last year. Um, kind of comes out of nowhere and, 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 you know, hits at the lower levels of the minor league. Uh, has a nice, I think he had a nice Arizona fall league, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Um, and, and I think that that, you know, then he comes up and he's having a nice season. But he's still only, you know, he's a double A and, and, and you know, he's probably um, – you know, will turn out to be a major league player, but it's we're treating it right now. And I, I, I got into this argument with the, with my kids. Like, you guys, I said the way you're going on about, it, and they didn't like the deal. They thought it was a bad trade. And I'm like, the way you're going on about this, this Logan O'Hoppy better be the second coming of Johnny Bench. <laughs> the way you guys are describing like how bad that it is to have to move that player for something like like Marsh. That's something that you need. I look at it and say. Yeah, okay, I understand you need catching down the road. You still have a decent prospect in Marshawn, who's 23. You didn't get rid of him, right? And we know how much they talked already. We were already hearing how much they like uh, the kid that's in rookie ball. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Ricardo uh, per, is it Perez, Ricardo Perez that's down there. Um, he's playing rookie ball for, for them. He's only, what, 18, 19 years old. 
that's those are the guys that you can look at and say, okay, well, we still have good organizational depth at this position. And if it gets to a point where we need to, if JT really falls off the table in the next year or two, Marshawn could step in and be okay. And then maybe if it takes a little bit longer, then maybe this other kid develops and becomes what we think it's going to be at that point. All right. So like, I have no problem with, with Ohapi being the one that you moved. And the best part about it is, is out of the whole day, you get all, these, all three of these players, and you kept your three best pitching prospects. Right. That's the key. You want to talk about... Try making trades to win now, but also considering your future. They did not blow up their best prospects to make any of their moves today. Yeah, I mean, Hoppy's a good prospect, but he was what fourth or fifth, depending on where you go, depending on where you look. Okay, that's you know you got to give up something to get something sometimes. Right, so you can't just you know I, I, you can't I, I, fleece everybody. So you you do this deal and that's the first wave and then immediately you say to yourself, okay, they're bringing Brandon Marsh. What's the the corresponding move? And it, it quickly hits you that it's Odubel Herrera. He's out of here. You know that's enough. And so I I do think we have to dedicate at least a couple minutes to just talking about the move to proceed forward without Odubel Herrera. So you and I had talked about him earlier this season, and people were just astounded that the Phillies brought him back. You and I had kind of contended that, hey, listen, million one seven five, decent numbers from the left side. If you use him correctly, gives you all right production. And he did that at the beginning of the season. And you and I kind of said, like, listen, look, Odubel Herrera's out here doing it. He's he's making it happen. And for what they're paying him, yeah, you're gonna have the boneheaded stuff, but. Look at the production a little bit. I think you and I would both agree that Odubel Herrera has not been very good the last two months. And, and so for a while, he did his job. Lately, he is not. You, you take that and you pair it up with all of the boneheaded stuff. And Pittsburgh the other night, he didn't really run hard. I don't think he would have scored on that ball that Kyle Schwarber hit. But he did not run hard. Rob Thompson gets into him a little bit. We have not seen anything like that from Rob Thompson since he's he's been this team's manager. So you know that that kind of resonated. That, that sort of stuck like... What the hell are you doing, man? And you kind of have to wonder. I don't think the Phillies made this deal because Odubel Herrera didn't run this weekend in Pittsburgh, but it felt like the last straw, sort of. Like, okay, that's enough. No more of this. So they, they make the move to move on from Odubel Herrera. Do you have any reaction to that? I mean, I, I've kind of always found myself not defending Odubel Herrera the person because I don't think that there's any need to defend Odubel Herrera the person. But I've always, I've always felt or always thought that, that sometimes the criticisms of him as a player were a bit over the top or maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit unfair. But I am willing to concede at this point that the Philadelphia Phillies are, are better off without him. And I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I do think it was time to move on. And I, I, when, when I saw the corresponding move that he's out of here, DFA, I said, okay, good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm perfectly okay with it. I mean, Odubel Herrera was, um, you know, in my mind, their fifth outfielder, um, you know, coming into the season. Maybe at, at times he kind of moved up to, you know, that 3-4 range. Uh, like you said, early in the year he was there and, and deservingly so, um, you know, at that time. Um, but, you know, if you're going to improve your team and you need to – you know, trim the fat around the outside of it. Well, you got to start looking at that those depth people, and 
you know, like same thing happened with last week. You know, we didn't we didn't have a big uh, send off for Johan Camargo, um, but you know, they they decided that Sosa, what Sosa brings to the table, is better than what Camargo brings to the table, and so they sent Camargo down, and Camargo got passed somewhere along the way by Gyro uh, Munoz, probably because Munoz can hit lefties. Um, you know, and so Munoz is still here, and and and, and uh, Camargo isn't. Uh, although I don't know how long that is. I mean, if once Gene comes back, Segura comes back on Thursday, doesn't Munoz seem to be the odd guy out, right? I mean, I, I would think. Um, you don't so think they would pull it, the trigger on D.D. Gregorius? I, after I don't. A, after a 113 or what was it, 116 in July with one extra base hit and two extra base hits and 69 at-bats in July? I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe, but I I, I don't think so either. I don't think they do. I think that there's value in his clubhouse leadership. I think that they really value that in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, especially after you uh, you DFA Jerry Familia, who we'll get to in a moment. I mean, that's a lot of clubhouse leadership to lose in one week. You know, so yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, they could have lost that clubhouse leadership in April, and I wouldn't have, wouldn't have bothered me a little bit. No, but so that's my point. Like, I mean, like. You know, you have to trim it somewhere, and so I, I'm I'm okay with it. I mean, yes, I you know you know I defended Oduble the player. I would never defend Oduble the person, but I offended uh, uh, defended Oduble the player a couple weeks ago, a few weeks back, um, when fans were trying to blame him for a loss that wasn't exactly his fault, and wrote a whole article about it. You know, I I took a lot of beef. On that, you know, for that on Twitter, but that's because people can't see past, what you know, their their you know, was their that the, uh, ra- was that the Saturday Cardinals game? Uh, was that the Saturday Cardinals game? They fell behind early with Kyle Gibson, came back late, fell a little bit short. Was that was that the game? Saturday? No, no, it was the game that they didn't hit against. Uh, oh, who was it? They didn't hit at all. And they uh, they lost, and he had the goofy play in center field, yeah. where he went back and he kind of got turned around a little bit on it. I think that and was the uh, middle middle of a series game against Washington. I Washington, that's what it was. it was. It was exactly who it was. It was against Washington, and they didn't hit Josiah Gray. Yeah. That's who it was. Um, so so yes, yeah, so, I mean that was it was that game, um, and yeah, the fan, and fans on Twitter killed me for it. How can you defend this guy? How can it's not. It, I'm not defending the guy. You're, people have a hard time separating the two, so it's probably the best thing because any he was such a lightning rod. It's that it, when he did well, no one would say he did well, right. and when he did something stupid, the world exploded. So it was probably better that he's just not here to do anything bad or good. Yeah, I mean, right, right or wrong. I mean, right or wrong. Professional sports is about production and. I think that that you can. There are fans out there that no matter what the production is, if you're not a good person and you have past indiscretions, they can't look beyond it. And I get it. We've we've had those those conversations on the show uh, numerous times. But it really is a, a matter of putting up. And if if you're going to come with that baggage and you're going to be that lightning rod type player, that divisive type of player that kind of causes negative negative talk, negative interactions. You better you better be worth it from a production standpoint. No, Duval Rare just simply was not worth it anymore. And so I do think it was time to move on. And I think the Phillies are probably better off for it. The feeling around this team, from the fans to the team, I think it's probably better. Uh, and so from from that standpoint, in addition to what I think they did, which is a, a tangible upgrade, 
from a defensive, at least from a defensive standpoint, this makes a lot of sense. We talk about the Phillies' deficiencies from a defensive standpoint, how bad they've been up the middle for a number of years. This move helps them. It certainly helps them in the outfield when you consider what they have in those corner spots. Now, listen, one thing, Brandon Marsh is plus seven defensive run saved in left field this season. Hasn't played a ton in center. He actually hasn't graded out all that well in center field, but the athleticism's there. He can play it. It's like one of those things, I think the small sample size, if I'm not mistaken, he's like negative two or negative three defensive run saved in center field. I think the more he plays there, that quickly kind of auto-corrects. Right. And you see that he's a, a significant net positive in center field. If he can yeah, he hit, played, look at Look at what he did last year there. Right. I mean, that, that was, he replaced Trout there and played a lot of games there and was and was sensational there last year uh, defensively. So, I mean, that's, that's all you really have to do. Right. I mean – yeah, if, if if you if you just go back to twenty one and, and see how he played in center field, um, that 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 makes all the difference, right? So uh, I'm trying to pull it up here as we're as you as you were uh, talking about it. I happen to have Statcast here. Um, I'm I'm just trying to see where uh, position center field. Oh, geez, where did it go? I just think I think I think I just hit outfielders. Uh, <laughs> well, while you go through that, I'll let you come back to that. But just to keep things moving forward, the second yeah. deal here that we get in chronological order is Phillies reacquire David Robertson, and they trade away Ben Brown. And and all of a sudden this week, Ben Brown became this the starting pitching prospect that the Phillies were simply unwilling to part ways with. And you and I have both speculated on uh, our show Monday morning that. You know, hey, listen, they're not going to trade Andrew Painter. They're not going to trade Mick Abel. They're not going to trade Griff McGarry. The idea that Logan O'Hoppy was going to be an untouchable, the idea that Ben Brown was going to be an untouchable, I think you and I both kind of sniffed that out and said, yeah, that sounds like kind of more of a negotiation tactic. As this thing gets closer to the trade deadline, we would not be surprised if they were willing to part ways with both O'Hoppy and Brown. And lo and behold, they were willing to part ways with both players. I get it from Cubs' standpoint. I mean, David Robertson serves no function on that team this season. It makes no sense. And so to kind of try to cash in and, and, and get another chip, you, you buy what I, I think is more or less a lottery ticket. Maybe you have a decent starting pitcher here a couple years down the line. So I think it's, it's worth a gamble on, on the Cubs' end. I get it. For the Phillies... This, to me, if you didn't make this deal, like if you would have told me like they had the ability to bring in a legitimate 8-9 inning setup guy, all they have to do, or a setup guy or potentially closer, all they have to do is part ways with, you know, their fourth or fifth best pitching prospect, I, I would have done that deal. So for me, this deal made a lot of sense, but it came with a qualifier. And the qualifier was you better go out and upgrade the starting rotation, which we will get to. And they did that. But at the time when it was just Marsh, Robertson, I said, come on, guys. Like, you don't do that deal if there's not a corresponding move to follow. So I don't know how you feel about that, but I was I was out up until the point that they then upgraded with Syndergaard as well. Well, I was pretty confident they were going to get a pitcher. I'm not certain. I wasn't certain it was Syndergaard, but I was pretty confident they were going to get well, I think you might be more confident than Dave Dombrowski around 5.30 this afternoon. I don't know if you read the Scott Lauber piece. He did a great job. He was actually all over this trade deadline uh, throughout. and he, he basically reported tonight that after the trade deadline, Dave Dombrowski, they, mean, they did that first deal with the Angels, and they were pretty sure like within an hour of the deadline that that was going to be it. Like The asks were just too substantial for starting pitching. 
Angels actually called Phillies back and said, all right, like, how do we get this done? So it, it worked out. Maybe Dave Dombrowski is, is kind of, I don't know, downplaying or, you know, playing it cool here a little bit. But it, it does sort of sound like there wasn't a ton of confidence as they progressed that they were going to be able to do that part of it. I find it hard to believe, given it was their most glaringly obvious need, that they would have gone down the stretch in August and September with what they have at stake with Bailey Falter, Christopher Sanchez, bullpen game behind me here. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I, I, that's why I was pretty confident they were going to get somebody. Um, I mean, I know that they were in conversation. There were reports out that they were in conversations uh, with Boston uh, for either Eovaldi, who was probably one that was a little bit more expensive, but even Rich Hill. Like, I mean, what would have Rich Hill cost? Rich Hill wouldn't have cost you anything. Yeah, Rich not that, not that that would couldn't be less excited by Rich Hill. Well, you wouldn't have been excited by it, but I'm just saying, like, I was confident they were going to get a, a body. They were going to get a pitcher, right? So I looked at the Robertson deal, and I said, this is, this is a really good trade, and it's the one that nobody's talking about. Everybody's talking about Marsh. Everybody's talking about Syndergaard. Nobody's talking about Robertson. But what this really does this allows for Rob Thompson to really have options at the end of the game on how you want to deploy people. Um, it kind of turns Dominguez into your, you know, uh, fireman. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have to close. You know, he doesn't have to be the closer. You bring in Dominguez in the most important time of the game, if it's the seventh or eighth thing, sixth, seventh, eighth thing, whatever it is. You bring him in to get those key outs. You got to face the middle of that order with runners on base. Go get him, right? I mean, and and you're fine because you still got David Robertson to close. Um, so there's that, and adding another arm like that to the back of the pen that has been a, a, a pen that's been really good. It, it it takes a lot of pressure off the starters to have to go seven innings. If they do, great. That's a bonus. That's a plus. But if not, now you're not like, all right, who's going to get us to those late innings? Who's going to get us to the eighth, ninth inning? We have to cross our finger. It's really good. It's a really nice addition. Not only that, watching, you know, knowing Robertson's career and, and where he's played and the big pressure situations that he's been in, I think he feels, and I remember an interview on his way out of Philly, where he really feels like he owes he owes yeah, it to this I, to the Phillies. He does. He, he actually said that yeah. when the Cubs were in town last weekend, kind of like it would be cool to be able to come back here and you know yeah. sort of make good on on what was a bad deal for the Phillies the first time around. I mean, it's funny after the Sunday game, the Cubs complete the sweep, and we're going down the elevator uh, post game, and a couple of writers were like, "Look at David Robertson, nice weekend for him, huh?" You know, what do you think the odds are? And it was the conversation going down to the basement. Like, what do you think the odds are that he's back here in two weeks? And, and here we are, and he is back. And it's interesting. You know, we're talking on Monday about Phillies don't need to add to this bullpen. And, oh, my God, you know, they have the best wins above replacement in National League since June 1. Last two months, they have the third best ER in the National League. And as we're talking right now, it's 10.38 at night <laughs> over my shoulder I'm just watching more and more Braves cross the plate. And you know yeah. how this goes. Like, we love numbers and we love to crunch numbers. I would be willing to guess that the Phillies' bullpen has probably surrendered more runs tonight than they have in, like, the last 
three weeks combined. Uh, if I have well, Nelson Nelson only gets charged with two runs, yeah. I believe. Yeah. So it's but now twelve starter, to one. If he'll go down as the starting pitcher tonight. Yeah. When you factor this in, so it's the the Progden Knable. Uh, who else? Who else got pounded tonight? A, a mark. Of well, Knable got Knable was the one that really got pounded. So it's funny Brog- when we talk about. I apologize on Twitter. It's our fault because you, you know we recorded yesterday. We talk about Corey Knable since Father's Day hadn't allowed an earned run in 14 appearances. He only given up two hits in his last 14 appearances. Opponents hitting 044 against him. He's turned himself back into this viable option. You should feel good about him. And what's he do tonight? He gets absolutely destroyed. Now, there was a double play ball that they could have turned that they didn't. Some bad luck there. There was a strike three he didn't get a call on. But then all hell broke loose. So he gave up more runs and hits tonight than he had in the previous month and a half combined. Uh, but when you wake up tomorrow, those Phillies bullpen numbers... Looks like they're going to give about ten runs tonight and seven innings. Yeah, they're going to they're going up ten. I think I think um, I think Knebel's on the hook for six, or at least five. Corey and then Knebel I think he gave up more runs tonight than he did in the months of June and July combined. Yeah, I think he gave up five. I think Appel gives up one, and then I think the uh, the last couple have been on Franklin Morales here, who's taken a beating to. Yeah, save the, the rest. Save the rest of the pen. Yeah, he's taking so. one for the team tonight. That's that's for sure. So so uh, they do, but anyway, they get another get, viable get, option in Robertson. Yeah. And like you said, I think that the biggest point is exactly. I think you pegged it. You nailed it. It is that now. Hey, we've gotten to a point where you know that Sir Anthony Dominguez has got to be your ninth inning guy. Well, now it, it's not as clear cut. You you have more flexibility. You have the right matchup where you really want to deploy Dominguez in the eighth. There's runners on, on first and second one out, and you need to extinguish that fire. You can do it now and still feel good that we have a pro in the ninth inning that can get it done, who's got it done this season, who's done it throughout his career except for when he was in Philadelphia because he was hurt. So this is, to me, it, it gives Rob Thompson a lot more flexibility, a lot more confidence late in games to, to be aggressive and do what he needs to do. So, you said it. Nobody's really, really focused on this particular move. It may be the key to the whole trade deadline for the Phillies. Then comes part three. You know how I feel about Mickey Moniak. See you later, man. Best of luck, too. Nothing against him. You know, if he goes out to Los Angeles and or Anaheim and figures it out, great, man. I couldn't be happier for you. But it was not going to work out here. And we know it. And it was time to move on. And... So to part ways with him, no problem. You know, Syndergaard back, and this guy in nineteen or in 2019 is throwing 97.8 miles per hour on average with his four seam fastball. He's not that guy anymore. He's 93, 94, maybe nips 95. A lot of sinker. He's been pitching with extra rest throughout this season. I don't love it. It's not my first option. It's not my first preference. I would have loved to have seen Verdone. Uh, that's like that was my guy. I really think that 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 would have made a huge difference for this team. Yeah, but nobody got about, nobody got him. I, I, hey, listen, I don't actually understand that because he's opting out of that deal unless he gets hurt down the stretch, which is possible because there is an injury history there, and that's why I'm surprised the Giants didn't do that deal. Giants, I do not believe, are a postseason team this year. He needed to throw 110 innings to opt out of that contract. Making $22.5 million next year if he opts in. But you, when you look at what he did last year and this year, there's no way that that guy does not get multi-years at 20 mil a season moving forward. So I'm surprised the Giants held on to him. And I don't know what the ask was. And I'm not blaming the Phillies for not getting the deal done. But the one thing I would have liked to have seen was that 
Hey, it's game three. We need the start. And is Cindergar going to be that guy, or is it going to be Ranger Suarez? And I guess you have some options there, but I just don't know that that's the difference maker. It certainly, though, upgrades a shaky back half of this rotation. Yeah, well, so, uh, again, I, I can't I can't put anything on the Phillies. If, if a player doesn't get traded, uh, it, to me it tells me that the, the team had wanted too much for him. Um, and, yeah, I mean, look at what the Cubs, the Cubs situation, right? Yeah. I mean, they didn't move uh, Contreras or Hap. Or Hap, yeah. Crazy. I mean, uh, you know, how odd is that, right? I mean, so after, so if that's the case. watch for a week. Guys crying in the dugout. And this yeah. Is game. Wait, no, no, this might be our last game, but. Yeah. And, and they end up not getting traded. Maybe the Cubs were asking for too much, and everybody was just like, "Nope, sorry, that's all right. We'll 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 pass." It could be well be well be the same thing here, that everybody you know maybe the Giants wanted multiple top end or the you know top end prospects, and teams like the Phillies were like, "Yeah, we don't you know we don't think it's worth that," especially if he decides to walk away. So you know I can't blame the Phillies for that. So you know again. You know, you could argue, should the Phillies have been in on guys like Montas or Castillo? Those are names you could sit there and say, well, I'd rather have one of those guys than Noah Syndergaard. And you could say, okay, fine, that's fair. But do you see what those guys went for? Would you have given up that for those guys? I'm not certain that I would have. I'm not. I'm not certain that I would have gone... You know, especially since the Phillies are just kind of entering into the the you know, the window opening now. Okay, the next few years, this is it. We're going to make the push. You know, sometime here in the next few years, we think we're, we can win a championship. As we're just entering it the first year, I don't necessarily want to give up on guys who I think could be a real part of this this thing, right? Um, I, I, I don't think that, that Dombrowski was blowing smoke completely when he said that i think that he believes that right bob i mean that that's that's how i looked at it so that's why i'm cool with going f- after a guy like Syndergaard. um like that to me it, it's a, it's a nice play and I, I i'm sure you saw my tweet and you saw the, the i mean it's the same data that i gave kevin to put into um into the story earlier today before they even traded for him um uh, look you can't dismiss bad games pitchers have bad games and that you know that goes into their numbers but if you if you if you break up he only, he's only had 15 starts this year and that's because the angels have been going with that stupid six-man rotation because you know shohei can't pitch all the time um but and he got shelled in three three starts I mean, one of them was against the yankee I mean, yankees absolutely unloaded on him one i think he gave nine runs in two-thirds of an inning so that kind of pulls his numbers up higher but if you take those three games out, just take the three games out and give and look at the other twelve, and and some of those other twelve were against really good offensive teams. One point oh five WHIP, two point five eight ERA. Yeah, you know. And, and I, I mean, yeah, there's, there's something to be said for the 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 price that you pay there. And it, it, Mickey Moniak and and Sanchez, twenty one year old outfielder who. who he's in numbers, nothing. but just he's not a guy that's that's going to be in this team's yeah. long term plans. And so you really didn't give up anything there. You take on a little bit of salary, you know, more commitment from a financial aspect. I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm fine with it. I think what the Phillies have done here 
is, is basically tightened up some some loose ends. I think that they, they haven't made themselves markedly better. I don't think anybody's talking about them as a World Series favorite now or National League favorite. But what they've done is they've addressed some weaknesses. And I think that the same principles that we talked about earlier this week still apply here. They I, I right now believe that they still are the favorite for that third and final wild card spot. And I would have argued probably a little bit more passionately that they could be better than San Diego. Obviously, things have changed since we've last talked. I feel like you're so pro Phillies right now that you'll tell me that Juan Soto in, in San Diego is not that big of a deal and that the Phillies might be actually better than San Diego. Dwight, let me say this. I think it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal, but I'm not certain it's a huge deal for this year. I think this is one of those – you're going to sit there and you're like, you're, what are you, nuts? These things usually take – a little bit of time to, to kind of gel, I right? It. I get it, man. I, I think it's one of those things where I think the Padres are going to be the hot name. Everybody's going to want to talk about them. And then what happened? I get it. Somebody knocked them out that you don't expect. What happened? This was, and then this was the next year. They're last the year. Like they were the, the team. Like they were the in yeah. team and then they don't even make the playoffs. So I understand. I totally get what you're saying. I think that where I'm at isn't so much about like, oh my God, the Padres. I just. The ultimate two things can be true here. I think that the Phillies are the the third wild card team. I think that they're a playoff team. I talked yesterday about why I think they're a good team. I agree with you in the sense that if they got to the postseason, they're a tough out for whoever they play, even though all three of those games would be on the road. They've done a nice job on the road this year. They have a potent lineup. They have they at times they have a potent lineup. And they have Wheeler and Noel they can throw at you one too. And and the bullpen has been really good tonight, notwithstanding. So I understand all of that. I just don't think the Phillies are as good as you do. Um, I, I just don't. I, I don't think St. Louis is very good. I think that San Francisco stinks. I think the Phillies win 87 games and they get in the playoffs because they're solid. I, I just don't think the Phillies are winning a playoff series at this point. And I, if, if, if San Francisco was a little bit better, I'd even question if the Phillies would get in. Or if, if St. Louis is a little bit better, I would even question if the Phillies get in. I just think the Phillies are better than those two teams and that they should be very thankful for the expanded playoff format because otherwise, I don't think they'd be a playoff team. Well, I, I, I understand that I think that they're better than you do, and that's okay. Um, I, I like them in a, in a matchup, in, in a series against any of the possibilities – any of the real possibilities. So what is the most likely possibility? It's, it's, it's likely to NL, NL Central champion. Champion. And that's probably going to be the Brewers, who they swept in Milwaukee earlier this season. I will say this. I actually think the Cardinals are going to catch Milwaukee. You do. You've been saying that all season. You know, I, you I like, I like the, with the, I'll tell you what I like what the Cardinals did. They couldn't add to their lineup. Obviously, they were in the Soto conversation and didn't get it. But they added two pitchers. And they now they now have a five man rotation, that's pretty damn good, and they're gonna play a bunch of bad teams down the stretch. They sure are. Of all of those teams, jockeying for that that playoff spot, if we're talking about the third wild card spot, yeah, it's the Cardinals who have the easiest strength of schedule remaining. And I I, I think ultimately what you're gonna see here is is Milwaukee being the team. That kind of falls out of it. It's interesting. I, I think they had a curious deadline. 
Milwaukee. I know that they're big on you know Devin Williams being back to the way he was when he was rookie of the year, and that's why they can move on from Hater. And you know they got Rogers back. Maybe they can fix him. And then the back end of the bullpen, you have a, a, a stud lefty and a stud righty. And All that came down to was economics. I mean, Josh Hader's probably yeah. make seventeen million dollars next year before he hits free agency. It's a money deal. Didn't want to yep. That's all. It's a money deal. Yep. So that's I think the Brewers weakened themselves. I agree. I, I actually would give you that. And, and so, so I think that that's I, I honestly think that that's where it's going to go. Um, and, and the only reason I say that the the Phillies with the Padres, I know now the Phillies losing tonight, the Padres once, and they're, they're what three games back of the Padres, two and a half or three, whatever it is. The Padres do have a very tough schedule left, and the Phillies don't. And I think that there could be enough of a swing in there that you can pass them. Now, I, I don't necessarily think that that makes it a, a better matchup for the Phillies because unless the Braves – well, I think the Braves are going to catch the Mets. But, I mean, ultimately, I, I, think what you're, I think what you're looking at and all – and, I, Bob, I think what it's going to come down to is I think it's going to come down to somehow, some way, first round, it's going to be the current Mets pitchers against the old Mets pitchers in the first round. I think it's going to be Phillies-Mets – in that 4-5 series. And I think the Padres are going to play St. Louis is what I really think is going to happen. Jesus, that would be something. So you uh, you go Wheeler, DeGrom, and you go, oh, man. Then you go, then you go Nola Scherzer. Nola Scherzer. And then, and then, and then, well, probably Syndergaard. But I will say, if Ranger Suarez continues to pitch the way he's been, Maybe Rangers are three. It, it is. It's worth noting that Ranger Suarez in three starts since coming off the injured list has thrown 16 innings and is not allowed an earned run. So that right. is noteworthy. And as we mentioned on the previous show, if you had another three or four starts of Ranger Suarez pitching this way, you might say, wow, you know, that is your surefire number three. No need to really go all in on a starting pitcher because you got your three guys. Now, you get deeper into the playoffs, you're going to need four as it is. You're going to need four. The right. have certainly set themselves up pretty well because if Syndergaard, as is, or Ranger Suarez is your foreign potential series, you feel pretty good about that. Like, you're not going to go into that fourth game and say, we've got no shot tonight. You, you feel pretty good about who you have on the mound at that point, especially because that game's probably going to be at home, no less. So... So, so let, me say, let me ask you this, Bob. If you get the Phillies Mets, let's say I'm right. Let's say let's say I've I've prognosticated this end of regular season correctly, okay? And we get it that it's Phillies Mets in the first round, okay? And then the winner of that gets the Dodgers because that's how it would line up, okay? Because that four five plays the one, the three six plays the two. Do you like the path of New York L.A. better than? Milwaukee, St. Louis, Atlanta? <laughs> I don't think that the Phillies can beat the Mets and the Dodgers in back-to-back series. Like, I understand it, dude. I get all of this. I understand Short it. series. I get it. I do. I do. I okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you why I, I buy into this. this is, because it's not just the Phillies is, for me. This is It's not just the Phillies for this me. This is insanity. This is not insanity. I'm going to explain it because to me it's not just the Phillies. Because I think this could happen... I think it's, this could happen with multiple teams this year, and I think it's going to happen a lot in baseball. The way that they've set this up, okay, this reminds me a lot of hockey in a sense. And what, how does it remind you of hockey, Anthony? Hockey's seven-game series. The point is, is that the, 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 there's a real fine line in hockey between you know, the better teams and then the next tier down. So it only takes just like 
you know, just to play a little bit harder or want, want it a little bit more, and you could pull that upset, and it happens every year. There's upsets galore in hockey. It's, it's chaos in the playoffs. In baseball, they've set it up now where the better teams are, even though they're playing at home, are in a much more susceptible situation because it's just a best of three. I mean, you lose one game and you're on the brink of elimination. I mean, that's it. In the first well, I round. Mean, unless, you're the, unless you're the number one or number two seed, you have buys in that. No, point. no, sure, fair yeah. enough. But, but I'm saying you can, you can win your division and lose one game and be on the brink of elimination against a team that had 82 wins, 83 wins, whatever. I mean, like that number six seed who could be, could be a lower seed, lower, lower number of wins. Then in the next round, you get – it's still a best of five, which we've seen in the past, those best of fives – the top team gets knocked off sometimes because the other teams just happen to be hot at the moment, and they catch them. You put them in a situation now where you have a team coming in off of a series win, okay, that they just won. It could be two games, could be three games, whatever. And now they're coming in, and they're feeling good about themselves. They just won a series, just had a celebration in the locker room. They believe in themselves a little bit. And the higher-seeded team's been sitting for a week, hasn't played. Yeah. No, I I'll agree with you on that front. I'm curious to see how it plays out because this is obviously a new format. Uh, there's a lot of unknown with this. I hate the fact that that all three games, and I understand why they did it because they need to incentivize that that higher seed to some extent. Yeah. I hate the fact that all three games are at the higher seed stadium. So like, if you should be going, it should be a, it should be a best of five. That would be this. That's the answer. And I, I think eventually they get there. I do. I think that that's ultimately where they go. But like you're a playoff team. You get in. You're the Phillies. You win 87 games. And let's just say they're the five seed or the six seed. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant to the point. All three games are going to be in that or are going to be on the road. And like so as a fan base, like you don't get one one friggin' playoff game where you get to show up and, you know, wear your, your jerseys and wave around the rally towels. Like just one time, that kind of sucks. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I do agree with you on that. I do agree with you on that. And I but wonder I, to what I, degree that's it's, it's going to be a detriment. Is this going to be a thing that we find out, you know what? It's playoff baseball. You know, Home away, it doesn't really matter. Who gives a well, shit? Well, people are going to be engaged. There's no doubt. No, I, not about being engaged, but like how much of a detriment is it to that lower-seeded team that has to go play all those games on the road? Like, I don't I think it's a detriment at all. Once we gather like multiple years of data, like, oh, man, you really are in trouble. It's a tough spot. Oh, or are we going to I, find out that, you know what, it's not that big of a deal? No, as a matter of fact, I think it's, it plays into their favor. Because if you you just have to win one of the first two, and the, all the pressure's on the other team. Yeah. All the pressure's on the other team. That's it. One, you win one of those first two, and the, and the home team's got all the pressure, and you're there on the road like, hey. Well, let me you know? ask you this. Because since the Phillies are the best team in the National League, and they're winning the World Series this year. <laughs> Which I did not predict, by the way. You, you get into the playoffs. Any thought of maybe not throwing Zach Wheeler game one? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you ask me that question. Yeah, keep you ask me that question. I would throw him game two. I don't. I don't think you hold him to three because you don't. You can't run that risk, right? You can't run the risk. You don't get the three. But I would hold Wheeler to two just to see what happens in game one. Oh, I love it. I love it. Or, or you give yourself the option, right? If you win game, win game one, can you hold him to game three? I don't know when we did this podcast last year. And listen, I'm not, you're not the only one that it, over the, the run of this show has predicted like the Phillies are making the playoffs. But I remember we did a show last year and I titled it, Anthony thinks they're making the playoffs. And so this one might be 
<laughs> trade deadline observations. Anthony thinks they're making the playoffs and World Series part two. <laughs> no, no World Series. No but I, do I think they can? Do I think they can get to the LCS? I do, Bob. Oh man, I I'll do. tell you what. If they get to the LCS, I have them making the World Series because then you got the team of destiny, underdog yeah. masks, but baseball. I, you know, that, I don't know. I don't know if they could beat the team that they're playing tonight. That they played tonight. That Atlanta team, and uh, I mean Spencer yeah. Strider. I, you know, I, I we're not going to get into this. I'm tired. I want I want to end this in the next four minutes, hopefully. Yeah. Man, he's he's pretty damn good, and yeah. uh, they're going to be a really tough out. That is a very well balanced team. And uh, Alex Anthopoulos is just so good. Yeah. And what really the good. hell is the deal with being a young superstar in Atlanta and taking an undermarket deal? Like, yeah, like Austin Riley took? What, the, is, the, what yeah. is going on there? Yeah. So good for them. And uh, they're going to continue to be a tough out. And I, one thing I will say, I think you've delivered some takes. You're not really a takesman by nature, but you've delivered some some – some postseason second half takes here tonight, but one that I, I think I might agree with you on is that the Braves might run down the Mets. I I, I could see that. It's, ha- it's happening. Yeah. It's happened because my one last thing for this episode, Bob was going to be about the Mets. All right, well then give it to me right now. <laughs> what the hell was their trade deadline? Yeah, it's very very. They bizarre. traded four players, four including a major league player. For Darren Ruff today. What the hell are the Mets thinking? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that it's it's weird. There's there's nobody that's been hurt more than, than Phillies fans probably over eternity. But the, the Mets fans are right up there. And, and you and I had this conversation about the Mets. And I was like, this Mets team looks different. They have this like... Team of Destiny vibe about them. They, they had a couple of improbable wins. They did. They had a different feel about them this season. But here we are now, and it's August 2nd. And silly me, I, I think I underestimated that the, the Mets are still the Mets to some degree. And it really does feel like now that the Mets are having a very Mets-like season. And then you get this trade deadline, and there's a couple head scratchers in there. And you go, what are they doing? And Mets fans, to their credit, have remained pretty optimistic. They're like, this is a different team. We have Buck Showalter and Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom's back now. And Steve Cohen. How'd that go for them tonight? Steve Cohen is a winner. I know. It's the same thing it always is. They don't hit. J- Jacob DeGrom pitched against a Washington Nationals team yes. that had no one in the lineup. Yeah. Because not only lost. are they completed post-Bell and, and Soto, but they were also a team in transition tonight. That yeah. can get back the parts that they'll receive from from San Diego. So that's about as bad of a Met, uh, Nationals team as you're going to get. So, you know, there's all this, like, this is a different vibe, a different feel. But I'll tell you, as things progress, it really kind of feels exactly like it always has. And the Braves kind of have that that vibe again. And they won the World Series last year. They're, they're the best they team in the feel, National League. I think that they've worked themselves into a spot where they're like, we are being so disrespected. Yep. Now, we are the world champions, and we're better than this fucking team. And nobody thinks we are. And now we had a pretty good trade deadline, and we're going to get their ass. Like, I really yeah. think that's what's going on in Atlanta right now. No, and, and I, it, they're to me, they're going back to the World Series. Yeah. They're going back to the World And that's why if the Phillies stayed at six, while I think they can win the first round, I would hate them against the Braves. Would, they would lose the second round to the Braves. They would lose to the Braves in the second round. But if you get if you end up in the other side, 
I think they can beat the Dodgers. All right, so let me pin you down there. I, th- I think that we we know what your thesis is here. Let me ask you two quick questions. Yeah. How many wins for the Phillies this season? I'm I'm going to stick with 88 right now, but I'll tell you what. If that Houston series has no bearing on anything, if Houston doesn't have anything to play for that last those last three games, the Phillies could get to 90. They could right, get so to 90, but I'm going to say 88. With the loss tonight, the Phillies would have to go, uh, what, they need 33 more wins? Is that right? To, to get to 88? I believe that they're 55 That's correct. Yes. and 48 now. So yes. they would need 33 wins in their final 59 games. Um, I believe 36 of their final 59 will be played against teams under 500. They it's, will it's, actually, it's actually more than that, Bob. It's more than that? It was, it, was, it was going into the Pirates series. It was 36 out of 45. Okay. Uh, the next 45 were against sub 500 teams. Okay. Then they have a tough week in late in September where you go. Uh, I think it goes Atlanta, Toronto, Atlanta, and then you go Washington for four again, right. and then Houston. The yeah, last we're get, three. We're getting that Nationals team 11 times down the stretch. I say this with no exaggeration. No exaggeration. The Phillies should go 10 and one against the Nationals. I I don't disagree with you. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. Uh, and that is as somebody that, that understands baseball and that it's hard to, to just destroy a team over and over again, but it's a team that you should just run the table on. Right. Um, you get Pittsburgh three more times. You have seven with Cincinnati, yeah. another three with Arizona, although it's out there, three more with the Giants, again, although it's out there. You have the Cubs one later in the Yeah, year. the Cubs at the end, yeah, next end of the season, it's out there. Um, I mean – I think they can win 88. All right, so you got That's the number that I'm going with. I said 87 earlier. Uh, I'll, I'll go 87. Um, and then you have them as the, the five seed in the National League. So you have them as the second wild card. I would like. I think it could happen. And, again, I, it's really, to me, it's going to come down to that last Houston series. Does Houston have to play? Do they need to win those games to be the number one, have a shot to catch the Yankees? If they do, that could be a problem. If they don't, and then they're locked into two, they're probably they're gonna they're not gonna pitch their their pitchers. They're gonna throw you a bunch of couple minor league guys. They'll probably rest some regulars in, in there as well. And that's a series that the Phillies could take advantage of. And maybe you win two of three, whereas you didn't think you would win two of three going into it. And if that's the case, then maybe you uh, you can you can jump the Padres. And then the last question I have for you, I just want to throw a quick little betting angle on this. Right now, if you were to jump on DraftKings and place a futures bet on winner of the National League, you have the following options. You have the Dodgers at plus 175. Mm -hmm. You have the Mets at plus 290. You have the Padres at plus 475. You have the Braves at plus 500. And I know how you feel about the Braves because you just told me, so I'm not letting you take them. You have the Brewers at plus 950, the Cardinals and Phillies both at plus 2,000. I'm not allowed to take the I'm not allowed to take the Braves. Nah, little, little dabble on the Phillies at plus 2,000. If, if I'm not allowed to take the Braves, and I have to put money m- money somewhere, and I'm looking for value, <laughs> St. Louis or the Phillies, yeah. <laughs> Ten bucks Cardinals and Phillies, and see what happens. Maybe, yeah, maybe I mean, a that's, that's right. Hundred dollar return on both teams. That's what I would do. That's what I would do. I mean, you never underestimate the Cardinals. I talk, told you about devil magic with them. Um, and, and, yeah, and, and then the Phils. But, but not because I think that the Phillies are going to get there, just because I'm not allowed to take Atlanta. All right. Well, listen, 
The next time you and I talk will probably be Monday morning after the four games with the Nationals. It's Alumni Weekend. We talked to Mike Lieberthal on Crossing Broadcast uh, this morning, and he'll be in town this weekend, and they'll honor the 1980 team, and Pete Rose and some of the gang will be there, and I'm curious to see how Phillies fans uh, react to uh, his presence. I know that's a, a pretty hot topic that'll probably. I think they. I think he gets a standing ovation that lasts for for a long time, and I bet you it becomes a national story. Yeah, I I don't think I would be surprised if that happened. I think it may be a thing where Twitter reacts very negatively towards it, and and the people in the stands that day. You bought tickets for that. Chances are you feel a certain way about that team, and well, I'm, I'm guaranteeing you that game. A certain way about that player because they probably don't win the World Series without him. That that game may not have been sold out before, mm-hmm. but once it became announced that he was going to be there, whatever tickets were left are gone. Yeah, that game I, is guaranteed uh, to be sold out. I I don't know, man. I I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I I think I agree with what you just said. I just. So uh, I, I know well, they said that, hey, listen, they're honoring the team and not the player, and I get it. Well, Bob, here we go. This is the thing. And we just had this conversation earlier about O'Double, yeah. right? Okay? You're not talking about the man. You're talking about the player. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the man was a, is a bad man. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's just not a good guy. And it's he's just, a crumb. Yeah. Okay? He's a crumb. Let's be honest. Yeah. Dykstra's a crumb. Yeah. Okay? But these guys, in the in the scope of what they did for Philadelphia baseball, yeah, you have to appreciate what they did. Yeah, I mean, my dad, you know, big baseball guy. I grew up loving baseball, and he always said, "I I didn't watch the '80 team. I wasn't alive for that. I wasn't born until '85." And he always just said, that, "You know, that team, they just they were a great team. They just couldn't get there. They couldn't get there." Pete Rose came. He changed the culture. He changed the way the team played. He was the guy that made it happen, and that's great. You know, but I, I just, I don't know. That being said, <laughs> this this got derailed, and I'm glad we talked about it. We'll talk about this on Monday because I can't wait to see the reaction this weekend. But the point is is that when you and I talk again five games from now, the Phillies will be on another five-game winning streak. They'll be 12 games over 500. They'll have <laughs> sole possession of the second National League wildcard spot, and it will be all sunshine and rainbows. And so I look forward to talking to you. Four and one is my pick. Okay. Okay. So that's a four, that's four a win against the Braves uh, on on Wednesday night, or uh, I'm sorry, on Wednesday is an afternoon game, I believe. Yeah. And uh, three out of four against the Nationals here this weekend. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. We'll see. And if you want more ultra positive Phillies takes, make sure that you follow Anthony Sanfilippo on Twitter. I have a take about Anthony, and I think that after watching the Flyers raging dumpster fire for the last year that he is just so eager to see competent sports that he has gone soft on the Phillies. That's, that's my position. Maybe you're right. I'm going I, I, get, here. I feel like I'm trying to take a little, like, Bob, Bob, I've been hearing it for, you know, you know, I was in Pittsburgh over the weekend, <laughs> took my dad and my sons out there for, for the series against the pirates. I've been, I've been hearing it for, for four days. They're telling me that I'm out of my mind. It's They're telling me that I'm all that different, so I'm just kind of giving you a hard time. Here. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. As a matter of fact, we were we're sitting here recording. Andrew walked out of his room and stood in front of me, and <laughs> and looked at me like, "What the hell's the matter with you that you're yeah. saying this publicly now?" Yeah. You know, it's like I believe it. It's like I'm not just saying it. 
to you know to stoke a fire to get people all worked up. It's something that I believe. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, listen. If you if you don't if you don't stand for something, you'll you'll fall for anything. You know. So there you go. Right there you go. It's important to have conviction. I like. All right. It. Well, we will talk on Monday morning uh, for Anthony Sanfilippo. I'm Bob Wankel. Thank you for listening to Crossed Up, and uh, make sure that you leave us a, a five star review if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you soon, everybody.